0: Hey folks, welcome to episode 124 of the Becoming Human podcast. My pal Alfred Murillo and I sit down with Jordan Hawley to talk about his path to becoming a black belt in jujitsu and owning his own martial arts school. Jordan was challenged with drug abuse in his adolescence. And through his efforts, he has become a passionate martial artist with a love for Christianity and competing and teaching in Jiu-Jitsu. Jordan has recently competed in the 2020 Combat Jiu-Jitsu Worlds and Shugyo, a no-time-limit, submission-only Jiu-Jitsu tournament. Without any further ado, here's Jordan.
1: Played all uh, right, not played. Sorry, I done Taekwondo when I was a kid, and so I wanted to do something that like was something I don't know more. Yeah, I knew Taekwondo was BS, so I wanted to do something that was like more like real. You know what I mean? And so there was a local place in town. I went in. I did like I think I did like one class. My grandma signed me up, and then uh, I never went back. Never went back. And uh, and then I came. Uh, I came back a couple a year, maybe a year or two later, and started in training again. I was like 21, I think, at the time. And, um, and, uh, I stuck with it from there kind of off and on,
0: uh, through different things in life and shit. And, uh, when you were younger, did you... What were your aspirations? Like, did you have any, uh, any plans to commit to a passion or anything?
1: Well, yeah, when I was younger, I got, initially got started in martial arts because I got bullied when I was like seven. It's a little asshole kid or whatever was picking on me at the playground. And like, you know, we told the teacher and shit and then like, he stopped picking on me, but I, I still want to defend myself. You know what I mean? I didn't want to, you know, be helpless or whatever. Right. And, uh, as a kid, we played, uh, or I played baseball and uh, my dad always pushed me to do stuff like that so i i guess when i was younger i was i wanted to do whatever my parents wanted me to do you know and mm-hmm. i wanted to uh, i wanted to be a lawyer you know what i mean because i like to argue i like to debate you know i like to compete you know what i mean mm-hmm. so i wanted to do that right and then um and then i started getting high and i was like well, whatever you know what i mean uh, i didn't really have a, a, a too much of a goal you know and then when i found jiu-jitsu i kind of fell in love with that and, uh, and i just wanted to be a best you know what i mean i just i'm always everything i do is like uh one hundred fifty percent. You know what I mean. So training or, or whatever, man. Video games. I'm on Call of Duty. I'm trying to win. You know what I mean. Everything. So wow. kind of fell into that path. That was weird.
0: And has that um, that tendency to to like push yourself and you know strive for that hundred fifty percent. Has it always worked out in your favor? <laughs>
1: Um, not always, you know, not always in your favor. Sometimes you try to go like too hard into certain things that you shouldn't be going hard into. Like well, I used to do drugs with um with my friends and shit. Like I didn't start I didn't start smoking weed till I was like sixteen, right? I didn't did no shit. My I was playing baseball, and one of my friends uh, was on varsity uh, at the uh, at, at this little little town, like like two thousand people maybe. um uh, real close to mine, and we were playing baseball, and uh, it was like lunchtime or some shit. We we're in, like math class or something. And I still remember he's funny motherfucker named uh, Brandon, hilarious dude. I, I credit being funny to this guy, and uh, he goes. Hey, you want to smoke some marijuana? And I'm like, hell yeah. And so I I didn't know, you know. And so we went and smoked a blunt or whatever. And then after that, I just started, you know, partying, you know. And uh, I never saw it, I think, as uh, as like, uh, as like I was like a dope fiend, like I was shooting up or something, you know what I mean? Like, I always saw it as like a a different kind of click, but I was just having fun, you know what I mean? So definitely uh, trying to be the best partier I could be was not the right path on that one.
0: Uh, It's it's weird because, like, I see people who are, you know, struggling with um, with certain behaviors, right? And yeah. it's not it's not affecting them in a positive way. And I often wonder with myself, like some things that I used to do that were that some choices and behaviors, like cycles that I had that weren't good for me. I don't know if I've ever stopped doing them, but just redirected it to like things that were positive you know like i have like i'm a very obsessive person and i like to push myself i like to find like what the edge is and in terms of drugs and if that was like the only stimulus that i had i would try to get as high as i possibly could and like obviously that doesn't that's not very fulfilling that kind of cycle put me on like a downward spiral over time and it was you know um It wasn't very gratifying and I was always left wanting, but when I'd get into like jujitsu or, um, you know, even kickboxing, right? Like if you're in kickboxing and you're just hitting mitts with someone and you push yourself and ride that edge, like the kind of high and like focus that you get is so much more freeing than I experienced in drugs. And it was almost like, It's uh, an apples to oranges comparison. Like, how could I not want to continue um, doing kickboxing or doing jujitsu if this is what it's like, you know? But like when you initially do it, um, it, and you don't ever experience that level of like um, intensity and that passion, I think it's hard to understand. Because like running sucks, right? Like if you ever started the first time running, um, those first few miles or first few weeks, it's not that fun. But over time. There's something about it where you get those, like, you know, very intense and uh, enjoyable experiences oh
1: yeah for sure man you get like that runner's high you start to like feel you know i think there's like a acclimation period for anything you want to do you know what i mean if it's jujitsu you know you're getting your ass kicked and you don't like the next the first three four months until you know until somebody comes in that sucks worse than you do and then now you beat them and you're like shit i'm learning something now you know and then when you get to be like a purple brown belt you start slaying blue belts and you're like man i'm badass you know what i mean you really enjoy it but But if you're a white belt getting your ass kicked, that's a good filter for a lot of people that don't want to train, you know, and the same thing on running, man. I, I hate cardio, dude. I hate cardio and I hate diets. And, um and you got it Where right when you start trying to eat like right or you know for maybe a competition or if you like I'll give you a good example real quickly you can see this if you start running on a treadmill you know I say alright I'm gonna run 20 minutes so like 5 miles an hour ain't too fast just gonna run to sweat you know and you get like the first 5 minutes you're like fuck man I can't you're just looking at it like doing the math in your <laughs> head like I got 15 more of these no <laughs> way dude and then you get to like 15 and you're like fuck it I could do 30 minutes here and so you keep going and chopping yeah. and then all of a sudden you're sweating and you got that runner's high and you're just like whatever i could do it you know but uh, initially
2: that uh that little switch off phase is terrible man it sucks i know what you're talking about treadmills are tough too because you'll be you'll get to that that 20 minutes and then it'll be like oh i'm only 0.2 miles away from 2 miles or something i'll i'll, I'll hit 2 miles and then you're like well i've only burned Two hundred and eighty calories, I'll, I'll get to the three hundred and it just goes distance, time, calories, distance and yeah, it snowballs fast. Yeah, or like
1: I-, I like to do the bike, man, whenever I'm sweating. Like whenever I whenever whenever Gold's gym's open or whenever the gyms are open, you know, and I got a cut for comps, every other day I'll do an hour of cardio instead of lifting, I'll do an hour of cardio and um I'll start with like twenty minutes on like the regular bike and then twenty minutes running and then usually twenty minutes on the bike. And on the on the bikes, it's cool because I can put um, I could put a podcast on, and I could watch that, and so I have my headphones. I'm, I'm listening to that, and I'm riding my ass off, and I'm always like, man, if I can get six miles today, you know what I mean? And I'm like, I'm ah, chopping, and I'm sweating like a mug, and then you know, and like you say, you're trying to beat it. You're like, man, uh, you're like where you start, you see like what maybe three or four minutes is, and then I'll extrapolate that in my head, like, all right, that's gonna put me at like four and a half miles, and I'm like, let me pick up the pace a little bit. I'm like, I think I can hit six. Hell yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And then just for really no reason, there's really not like. A there's not like going to be an extra you know, points or anything if I get it. I guess you know, but it's that <laughs> but, it's
2: that competition.
0: Mindset. Yeah, heck yeah, yeah. heck yeah. 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 And is so with that competition mindset, did you have to? Do you guys have to um, to figure that out? Like, or right from the get go of you know exercising and getting heavily into fitness, are you competitive like that? Because you know some people will go and hop on a treadmill on our bike and they're like, ah, oh, this sucks. And did you have to develop that or was it just there for you?
1: So I uh, before I wanted to be a grappler, I wanted to be the bodybuilder. Right. I love Arnold Schwarzenegger. I loved uh, Pumping Iron, the the movie Pumping Iron. Right. And Arnold would always say like uh, there's a guy in the bodybuilding movie. I forget what his name was, but he is white dude with blonde hair. And he goes, uh, you know, whenever you're whenever you're fucking around, someone somewhere is working hard. And when you see them, they're going to beat you. You know what I mean? Like, how are you going to keep up with the guy that is working hard somewhere, you know? So anytime I don't want to train in man, if you talk to any high level competitor, like a really high level competitor, not somebody that's like competes at Naga every now and then, but like somebody that really wants to be the best in the world. They hate training. If you don't train enough to hate it, sometimes you, you just you're not going to get there. Like if I only trained whenever I felt like it, or I rolled whenever I felt like I was pretty good or whatever, you know what I mean? I would never get shit done. Like I, I, I most days, especially teaching twice a day. Well, not twice a day. I teach the noon class, uh, my beginners, my kids some days, and then my advanced class, you got to teach all that shit and then keep yourself honest enough to train through that. You know what I mean? And don't fall into what I call the coach's trap. And, um, and, uh, coach's trap the coach's trap is why most browns and black belts that own gyms don't compete because one they have there's they there's a culture built up where whether they like it or not their students think they're like um a legend you know what i mean like um they're untouchable you know and, and it's very easy to have that mystique whenever you know the layman doesn't know who you are or what you've done and most people have never accomplished much jiu-jitsu or any sport for that matter but they um their, their students think that they're like the best things in sliced bread. So like them going out and competing, it's going to make them look, you know, if they don't win. And and the thing is, you're not going to win. If you don't compete very often, the chances are that you're going to beat a good competitive purple belt, not very high. You know what I mean? So you really got to put yourself out there and not man. The hardest thing to do is to run a team and not like, I'll I'll give you an example. I I used to teach uh, like 30, 40 minutes, every class, right. In my advanced class and um and i was teaching a lot of technique and then we would do the technique they would get the the guys would get the drill and then we would roll you know and uh i started to ask myself like man how much work am i putting in like what if there was a guy that's out here that he doesn't have to be a coach and he's going back to back bangers bangers like how am i going to compete with that guy you know what i mean and i also asked the students i said guys you know I taught a lot of shit last week. Can y'all show me three techniques in detail that we showed last week? And I look around the room, no one can remember three techniques. Not even, they can't really tell me three takes we did. And so I have to throw back to like whatever I was learning and I have to think, all right, man, I couldn't remember shit. Like I couldn't remember the link between the techniques. I couldn't have told you the last five things we did the week before. So I'm, I'm throwing spaghetti at the wall and hoping some shit sticks, you know? So now we restructured it at my school. Basically, my guys, we do like 15, 20 minutes of technique, if that. And if they have questions for sure, I'm always able to answer. And then we do what I, what I call positionals. Right. And, uh, I'm, I love sub only, but I like points too. I don't, I don't care what the rule set is. And, uh, the positionals is develops what I call good jujitsu, right? Like, uh, if you jump for a guillotine to try to pass the guard, And you miss that and you don't land on top. That was you lost you right in that little microcosm of the jujitsu. You lost that exchange. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, you can look at it as a macro. Like, oh, I subbed the guy after I got mounted and my back taken and everything else. Right. But if you're just looking at the macro, you're never going to improve. You need to see the micro and like, okay, I got my guard passed. I got swept. I got this, that. You know what I mean? And if you're happy with these little losses, that's going to build up and be big things. So that's the basis of positionals. Positionals are like we start like. The guy, three, four guys in the middle, and everybody else is on the wall. And so, like, They have to – the guys that are in the middle can sweep, um, take the back, or submit you. And the guys that are coming off the wall can do all the same things except for they have to flip. They can do a pass, a back take, or a a submission. Now, if they fall back for a leg lock and they don't finish that leg lock, the dude comes up and and, and clears the entanglement. Well, they fucked up. They lost. You know what I mean? And so it teaches them to, hey, look, dude, really think about your positions because there's a tendency, especially the sub-only scene, for guys to say – Oh, you know, I didn't get my, I didn't get subbed or whatever. You know what I mean? And that shit doesn't work, dude. That's not good. That's not good. Self-defense wise. That's not good for most jujitsu. That doesn't look good. Uh, that's just a cop out, man, because you got, you cause your guard sucks or you can't pass guard. You know what I mean? A lot of guys can't pass guard, so They fall on leg locks, you know, and that's, that's weak. It's like so. camping in call of duty. Dude, exactly. So they do that. And then we do uh, EBI rounds. So we do EBI rounds because I believe that you need to be able to kill off the back. I know you need to escape the back. And if you want to win money, you got to be able to fucking play EBI every time. I don't care what, you know, it's something nobody wants to do because it's an ego killer, you know? It's like, man, I don't want this blue belt to start on my back and sub me. And then he thinks he subbed the black belt he's better than me. What? (laughs) but you got to kill that ego dude if you if you if you constantly protect your ego you're never going to improve and then we roll so and the roll's fun but i think that Ben Askren had a really good um He had a really good deal on Joe Rogan once. I saw like fifteen minutes where he talked about how jujitsu schools are bullshit. The way they teach makes no sense. He's like, we they y'all do a bunch of techniques and then y'all get to roll and do whatever you want for a while. He's like, that makes no sense. In an Olympic wrestling training center, maybe once a week y'all will get to free roll and do what you want for fun for the guys, but mainly you're gonna drill, 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 drill. I'm gonna put you in situations, positionals, front headlocks, and I'm gonna make you run from that position and go there, you know, so that I know that you can do the things that are high percentage, you know, because if I just let all all my guys go to wherever, none of them are gonna implement the techniques that we learned. They're all gonna just do their own thing and go to what's comfortable for them, which is natural and which is fine. I'm not knocking that. I think it's natural for all humans to do that
2: and to make it easier for themselves. So Yeah, also that way of arranging a class, it, it makes it so you don't end up in like the uh, Yeah, yeah, like working on like front headlock, for example. If like if you if you get work on front headlock and then you roll, just free roll for the rest of the class or whatever, you don't end up hitting front headlock at all or maybe once or twice and then you only really live repped it twice so you know front headlock or or maybe a back take from front headlock but you only ever hit it in live sparring maybe once out of those two times if you're lucky yeah. Right. and then uh when i reached purple belt i was like tired of learning in general and i was like i'm not getting anything out of this so when we discovered like situationals or positionals or whatever it, it the biggest thing I try to implement now is just drilling from a certain position. Yeah, I totally get that. Totally understand that
1: yeah my guys once we implemented positionals as an everyday thing in my advanced class now this is not my beginner's class my beginner's class is for guys there's some guys in my beginner's class that a uh, guy a guy great guy I love the guy Name he's 55 though his name's gonzalo he's an older dude and he couldn't hang in the, in the in the advanced class and he has no qualms about that you know he just wants to be part of the team and train and that's great man because jiu is not for all my gym is weird it's skewered like i have probably 80 competitors and 20 hobbyists like i have a lot of competitors and guys that are aspiring at least to compete you know what i mean maybe not yeah. an 80 tc level but you know they want to compete they want to at least do locals you know and they're will and they're young and they want to they want to bang so um so but we do have classes for the beginners and that helps the the more advanced guys get their questions in and they just get like man usually like 30 minutes of technique and then 30 minutes of of rolls you know with free rolls and it's it's encouraging you know and i'll go like half speed with them if i'm rolling with one of those guys you know what i mean and we we cater to that too because i think that you know now we don't do gi fuck the gi but you know besides that (laughs) Besides that, you know, my kids do gi. My kids do gi just in case that they they like it or whatever. And when when I get older and the master's 40, 50-year-old, I might be doing more gi, but for now, I'm just doing no (laughs) gi.
2: Yeah, and earlier you were talking about when you're – working out and you hate work or you you hate working out or doing that drilling session that day you don't you really don't want to but you think about that other guy like what about that other guy my competitor who i'm going to be going against you know next month like he's probably doing that that's my hardest thing for uh, teaching kids classes is because when i see like the lazy kid you know barely running when i say hey sprint the straight away and they're kind of jogging that straight away and you turn around and you go hey i bet you your opponent's sprinting every single time And then you're like, wait a minute, this kid's seven years old.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And if I get away from the opponent, I'll always imagine myself. I'm like, what about the version of Jordan that ran that? What about the version of Jordan that lifted that extra rep? You know what I mean? Or did whatever, or ate right. You know what I mean? And all that stuff accumulates and those little steps make big, big differences when you start competing or whenever you just look at your body
0: and your life as a whole. You know what I mean? So. Do you have any more, um, strategies to, uh, improve your discipline like if you're having a hard time maintaining discipline man you really gotta if if you know i
1: like the word that you use the word discipline instead of motivation motivation wanes man discipline is something that is in yourself and that you have a real you need a real reason to do what you what you're doing you know what i mean if you don't have a real reason for what you want to do um if you're not sold out on it you know what i mean you're not gonna you're just gonna do the bare minimum you know and um generally, like I say, I usually push it as like, all right, like, you know, my team, everybody else is, is they're, they're important to me, man. But what, what's what you, it's what you represent, man. It's like, uh, I represent Jesus, um, my team, my wife, my family, every, you know, everything, everyone's counting on me to do my very best. You know what I mean? If I don't show up at the gym and push myself, then my team is going to be hurt for that. And I try to let my guys too, like if they don't show up, then we're worse off because this purple belt didn't show up. This brown belt didn't show up. You know what I mean? And so like, if I can get them all to see themselves as something bigger, as part of something like a bigger collective, then we'll, then we'll all we'll push ourselves when we don't necessarily want it for ourselves as much, but we also want it for the team, you know? So I think that, you know, it depends on what you want. You know, if you really want it, you're going to, you're going to push yourself. If, if you don't, then man, maybe you need a lot of Jocko bullshit to tell you what to do. You know what I mean? But
0: I don't know. It's, it's awesome what the momentum can do to you too, because it can make you completely unrecognizable, like in like, you know, even months to years. Oh yeah, for sure, man. The, uh, get it's like, it's hard to stop a rock rolling
1: downhill. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. in either way, you know what I mean? It, once you're going downhill and you if it's a negative spiral, it's really hard to stop. And if it's a positive thing, it's really hard to stop, you know? And, um, so yeah, once you start building with one foot in front of the other, man, and you find out when you look back, like you've gone so far, dude. And it's really cool. I think that's, I think that's one of the coolest things I've experienced. So,
0: And if you had any, do you have any advice for people who might've been struggling with what you used to struggle with? Um, man for sure like
1: quick backstory. i used to um so I, I started smoking weed or whatever and then i I got into uh party and more and more and i uh was you know running with the wrong crowd stuff like that i started doing speed and um i was in and out of jail man just fucking just fucking up assaults stuff like that just dumb shit and uh went to tdcj which is like the prison system here in texas for like uh six six months yeah six months and then three months at a halfway house and um And even in there, man, like if, you know, it's really hard to tell you what to do, but like it strips away the world, you know what I mean? A little Mm -hmm. bit. And you kind of see what's going on. A lot of the people in there are really negative and their biggest goal is to get a job and a girlfriend. Right. But my biggest goal was like, I'm going to be a world champion. You know, even when they would make you stand up for AA, they'd be like, Hey, well, you need to say you're an alcoholic or you're an addict. Right. And I'd be like, nah, dude, I'm a world champion. Like, I'm not gonna, if you stub your toe, Six years ago, are you going to keep crying about that fucking toe for the next seven years? Like, why would you keep reiterating what you did where you fucked up in the past? You know what I mean? Like, move on, dude. Like, shit happened. Move on and and get your shit together and stop feeling bad for yourself and how negative your life is and shit. And just start putting one foot in front of the other. If you start making positive steps forward and stop pitying yourself and you realize that, I mean, people don't give a shit. You know what I mean? Everyone has their own shit to do and their own lives to deal with, you know, and you need to start moving forward. And so I think making the right steps you know what i mean for the difficult steps over and over again is what'll get you out of there man and uh really depends on how far down the hole you are you know what i mean but um
0: but yeah i yeah because i you know i've had a lot of people in my life who've struggled with a variety of like um you know drug abuse and also um like destructive lifestyle choices, right? In absence of drugs. Cause I've seen it, you know, whether it's like, uh, whether it's working, uh, you know, like domestic abuse with like relationships or drugs, like it's not, I used to think it was, ah, drugs or. Uh-oh, Will might've stalled out. I think he's breaking Something up. Like that, right? And then I'm like, oh, oh, so you're good? Hey, yeah, we yeah, no lost though. you for a minute. Okay. But then I I realized that it wasn't like, it wasn't drugs fault, right? It's just that, that people get to those places and, and it's acted out as like drug abuse or it's acted out as domestic violence or, you know, it's acted out as like abandoning your children or whatever, right? Like it's not. Breaking up. Losing you again, Will. The. Things themselves. And
2: uh, no, I'm breaking up. Yep, still breaking up. Ah, uh. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll, we'll get to it out. Well, no. oh. yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hold on, I'll be right back. <laughs> okay, so so Jordan, so I I heard your name around. Like I'm when I got into jujitsu, I became like obsessed with jujitsu. So I would watch all the competitions. I would like everything I could read all the flow grappling articles and all that. So I, I saw your name pop up more and more. And then Shugio comes out and that's where like, I really got to find out who you are about you. And we actually talked to Phil a couple weeks ago and we were talking about Shugio and how it's unique and how it's amazing because you can, uh, you get to learn the backstories you know somewhat of these competitors and of these athletes and you know start liking them and getting to know them you feel and what was it like though being asked to do shugio? like because taking a trip from Texas to Oregon to do some underground no time limit like to throw a bag over your head and and throw you in the trunk and drive you up to Oregon what was that like you know getting reached out to and coming up here and competing against people like Nathan Orchard and potentially like you know. What was that yeah. like? Yeah, so that was that was kind of like a last minute thing. I was I was a replacement. They um
1: obviously no one had heard about it, right? And I was training in Austin with the Tackets and stuff like that. Uh, it's kinda of like my coach's gym now, like up at a Brazilian Fight Factory. Yeah. And I, I only I, you know I drive it's like two hours one way. So I do that twice a week whenever this quarantine thing's not on. And um, I was dry, I was training up there and I got a text from Phil and he's like, "Hey, uh, do you want to be in this 155 tournament? You know, something blah blah blah." And he starts giving me the details and I'm like, "He's like a week or two weeks out." And I'm like, uh, "Well, how much is it to enter?" And he's like, "Nothing." I'm like, "There's nothing to enter." And he's like, "Really high level guys." And I'm like. Okay, and he's like, I was like, he's like, we're gonna pay you four hundred when you get there, and I'm like, it's five thousand dollars prize, and I'm like, of course I want to be in it, yeah, you know yeah, of course. And he goes, he goes, well, you're the only person that hasn't asked me who's in it, and I was like, I don't care who's in it, I got in this to fight the best in the world. Yeah, I hope that the best guys are in it. So, uh, so I've got a ticket and everything, and we and I flew out, really super professional, man. Phil's a really good dude, and the guys up at 10th Planet, Sam, and all those guys, and uh, they, I uh, flew out, I got a, they, they gave us four hundred to show, man, which is it's unheard of in jujitsu, man. I think the only place that they took better care of us is EBI. You know what I mean? And, you know, that's what he said. I mean, he's on Fight Pass, Eddie Bravo, Eddie fucking Bravo, you know? Yeah. And, um, but we go, you know, I get out there, it's 400 bucks a show. I find out on the plane as I land who's in the tournament, you know what I mean? And I'm seeing, you know, Keith Corey and I'm seeing Ethan Krellenston, I'm seeing Nathan, Nathan Orchard, you know what I mean? And I'm like, shit. So we pull up and I'm like, well, whatever, you know what I mean? I, I literally have nothing to lose. I have nothing to lose because... I'm probably the least known person here. You know what I mean? Even guys like Sean Weisenberg has beaten boogeyman at, at ADCC trials. Like these dudes, all of those dudes competed at 170 w- at least like if you were to do trials, only a couple of them, Keith, Ethan, me would do it at 45. You know what right. I mean? Everyone else would do it at 70 and it's 55 day before. So I'm walking in on weight. So, you know, we go and we go in, I think that was, might've been the shortest guy there anyway, but we, we get in there and we, uh, we we do our weigh-ins and everything, and everything's dope. It's all kosher, you know. And uh, the next day, or, or that day, or that day, we found out the brackets. I, I forget. And we found out the brackets, and I'm with I got uh oh oh on the on the right up there. So on the right up there, I, I it, they pick up me first, and then we circle around. I'm with Phil, and they pick up half of Domingo Domingos right. And he's talking oh, yeah, about. They-
2: that was funny. They did you dirty. They put
1: you in the right next to the person. Yeah. Well, at the time, I didn't know that he was in my bracket. Right. But he starts talking about how he like used to compete against Yuri Samos as, as a brown belt and all this shit. Right. And I'm just sitting. He's like, I've been training for fucking 80 years. And I'm like. Uh, I've been training a while, you know, I like heel hooks, you know, and I'm just like, I don't even know what to say. You know, this dude's been competing forever. He grew up in the, you know, in jujitsu, you know? And so I'm like, well, whatever. I'm just trying to hook this full, I guess. And so we get in there and, um, you know, he lays the brackets out and I look at the brackets. I'm like, this is pretty favorable. You know what I mean? Like I think I can beat everybody here. So, um, we got into it and, you know, it's no time limit sub only. Uh, but I never, I always try to submit people fast. And so, um, but Craig Jones got a joke with me. He's like, man, it's either me and you are the same, bro. He's like, we're either going to win in less than three minutes or we're going to lose on the, on the rules. And I was yeah. like, yeah, I know that's right. And that's so, exactly it. Yeah, so it's either I'm going to sub you fast or I'm going to get screwed in overtime or something, you know? And so, um, what do you call it? We uh, The first match happens. Uh, I tap Domingo's pretty fast with a heel hook. Just a basic... In reverse x entry basically he you know once he posted his hands once i cleared that he had a pretty good defense both of the guys that i subbed had the same kind of defense with their foot but um uh once i got the 411 locked in you'll see domingos try to post his hands on the mat and come up and that's a mistake man that's like a uh, amateur for shit straight
2: yeah straight ankle lock defense more than a heel
1: yeah hook. yeah very much so it's it's like uh, it's a hail mary in my opinion like you're supposed to you, you do that because you're trying to come up and get a stack so you know it's a risk because you don't have anything to post on but your hands and as long as i invert through i can always put your back on the mat i can find where your butt is you know what i mean and Mm -hmm. so i I cracked his foot and then um weisenberg was something i was worried about more because i was like man i've seen weisenberg i know this dude's really hard to heel hook he's like short shorts on and uh he was like he's a badass wrestler so he like on the feet he's like about to take me to the matrix and i've never wrestled and so i'm like uh, you know what I mean? And so I'm like, I just need the inside position. So I pull and same thing happens. Backstep it hit this 411 entry and uh, heel again. And then Orchard, I felt really confident with. Um, I, I felt like I was in control of the match. And then um, I made i I'd never had anybody do that kind of new style yet of uh, gripping the heel and then falling into it. And I made the mistake of tapping before he even hit the ground so he grips the heel falls back into it and then rips across his chest so i already say tap and once he once he's rips across his chest my heel slips because you're not supposed to finish the heel like that you know you gotta go back with it and uh and so i felt like an idiot on that but i mean the experience i gained and i ended up making uh, a thousand for the fastest sub so you know i i came out of it with great experience great exposure um and got paid really well I think I got paid more than I'd ever been paid for anything as far as jiu-jitsu goes you know and yeah. it kind of opened me uh, my way in for some new matches you know and I always believe that like no matter what kind of competition you do as long as you don't go out there and get iced in like 12 seconds you're yeah. going to improve I don't care if you, if you go out and lose against a really good guy if you last a few minutes with a really good guy like you're going to have that experience and that confidence that I lasted this long or I subbed this guy especially if you go out and sub two guys like Bill Wingles and Weisenberg and you do really well against the Orchard you're going to be like oh man i you know i'm at that level you know and yeah. so it's super big confidence boost you know what i mean and uh, i was really appreciative of it and if they do it again i really want to be on that portland's
2: not too bad you know oh, yeah Portland. yeah no um that's that's one of my favorite places to visit uh, we live about an hour north of seattle up in washington state so we're you know i make that trip down there once every few months and they're good guys we, we get to train a little bit with uh, Nathan Orchard and. Yeah, like I think the first time I ever rolled with him was I was a blue belt and it's just yeah, this amazing how many levels there really are to this thing and then to to um, for you to compete against him on shugyo it was it was really cool cuz it was like, oh okay, I know Nathan. I I felt that before and then seeing like yeah, you know, I was like, oh, this Jordan holly guy's legit. I'm a leg lock uh like I'm a big fan of leg locks. So I'm like, oh I was like, yep, yep. When you said the uh, the Craig Jones setup where you crunch the hip and you uh grab the heel there, I was like, I knew exactly what you were talking about, right? Yeah, he covered so, in the like, second DVD. Yeah, yeah. And and so like watching you and Nathan, I was like, oh damn. And then it, you know, ties right into EBI. Um we're really good friends with Gabriel Austin Daffron and You know, and it it really bummed me out seeing all you four people in that same corner, man, of the bracket with you, Sam Hardy and Austin or Gabriel on the, you know, so we all had our brackets to win. And I was like, okay, Jordan, Holly. And I, I had you picked as one of the top winners, man, and I was like yeah, I was I stoked know. to see you do so well. So did did you have to reach out for that one or did Eddie get a hold of you? So my buddy and uh my buddy Josh LaDuke,
1: uh Lord is um he's been my manager for a while and then like uh now we're kind of like just friends, but like he still likes it, like he hooks me up, he's my boy. And so um he messaged, uh, let's see what happened. I'm trying to think of how this went down. He had been talking to me about doing combat for a while, like on the side, like especially when we started managing me. I was kind of coming up and he's like, and I was like, man, I don't know if I want to get hit, yes, and that, right? And he's like, bro, but you can do submissions. And I'm like, fuck, I've never done it. You know what I mean? I don't even wear a mouthpiece. Now I, it feels naked if I don't wear a mouthpiece. So I, I wear a suit now all the time. But, um, but at the time I had never, you know, I'd never done strikes with jujitsu, so you know I didn't know. And so now, actually, I, I like it, and he's like a badass. When you do, when you done combat, and you actually won a couple, you're like, shit, who wants, <laughs> who wants to go? You know what I mean? Yeah. And but, um, but yeah, we, uh, Josh had, had told me he's like, you know, Eddie's gonna do the 45ers, and he had messaged him and, and said, what's up? Well, then whenever Eddie dropped the post initially a few months prior to that, I mess, I, I commented, and Eddie, Eddie Bravo DM'd me and was like, hey, yeah, you're in, and I'm like, Fuck yes and so i said to my my little teams they'll deal the instagram which is like a little play on words for my team and i was like i'm oh, poking in this shit you know what i mean <laughs> and so i got a uh, I got an invite to that and for that it's a little cooler because like they pay you 500 to show 500 to win your first match um your hotel's covered for two nights and your flights are covered uh i paid for my wife's flight though because she came out with us and then um and then what do you call it? If you win every match you win in regulation, you only collect if if you win the tournament, but it's twenty five hundred a match. So it's it's a potential to win a lot of a lot of money there too, you know. Oh dang, that's really cool. Yeah, that's pretty dope, I thought. Yeah. I'm gonna be on the 55ers too. If if this quarantine does this quarantine ends, you know, and, and California is able to get back up, Eddie gave me a spot. He's like, "Bro, you're you're part of this for life." He's like, "Every 45 until I'm dead, you're on this thing." And he's like, "If you want to do 55, you can." I'm like, "Man, I don't know if I want to get slapped by Wagner." And I was like, "You know what, dude?" And then it went back to my head to the Shugio thing. I was like, "It's fucking EBI, dude. You don't turn yeah. down EBI." I mean, I'm not gonna do a 170. That's too heavy, and I can't do 35. I'd never make that weight. I was like, "But." I can't turn down forty-five or fifty-five. I don't care how big they are. I don't care if it's Nathan Wagner and you know King Kong or in my next three opponents. I gotta fight them because CBI, dude. I have nothing to lose. So yeah, hopefully it goes down. It's supposed to be, I think, late June. So hopefully it goes down, God willing, and uh, I'll definitely be on the lightweights too. So man, I almost feel like it'd be a
2: CJJ rite of passage to get smacked by Wagner. Bro, yeah, might be retarded
0: after it's over though. <laughs> yeah, that's very, very true. <laughs> Um, so so how do you professionally support yourself? Uh, so the gym, pretty much
1: the gym. Uh, if you're doing jujitsu and you don't own a gym, you are not making money unless your name is Gordon Ryan or Craig Jones. I don't see how you can make money off just being a competitor. It's just not there right now, you know, and too many guys are, they don't want to play the heel or they don't want to play the good guy. They don't want to play any drama. Like I'll give you a good example, WWE everyone know that shit's fake right mm-hmm. everyone knows that shit's fake but people watch it because there's drama you know what i mean you've got to build up drama you don't have to talk about somebody's mama but you need mm-hmm. to build like hey at least i'm gonna win you know what i mean like this dude sucks you know what i mean and even if you lose dude who cares you've got to build up personas people want to see that stuff you know what i mean so sometimes you'll see me trash talking somebody's not. i have no animosity towards anybody right and i could never hate somebody that has the same dream that i do but I got to sell fights, man. We got to put asses in seats. If we don't sell this, then no one's going to watch. You know what I mean? And uh, like my guys talk about, one, well, you got to get rid of the, you got to get rid of the Gi in these, in these deals. Nobody wants to see that, dude. Like it may be fun to practice or whatever, but even <laughs> Jiu Jitsu guys get bored watching Gi matches, you know? And so you got to open up as many submissions as you can. I mean, I'm not saying everyone needs a strike, but we need to open it up as much as we can to kind of like open it for spectators because you need to have you know, ninety percent of the people or ninety nine percent of the people that watch the WWE don't professionally wrestle. You know what I mean? You gotta open this up for spectators. So I'm getting off on a tangent there, but you gotta be able to sell yourself and market yourself as far as um, as far as you know, getting paid competition wise and hope that you get to a Craig Jones Gordon Ryan level where you can Gary Tana, you know where you're exciting enough and you put it on the line it's another thing it takes two to tango you can't go out there and play it safe and try to win on a sweep or two points or go to overtime and win overtime because your overtime is better like that is in the short term is an okay thing but no one wants to see that shit like you don't have to win every match but you gotta be exciting every match you know what I mean And then people will say, man, I want to see that dude. Yeah, he lost to that guy. But that dude goes out and throws flying scissors. That dude, you know, attacks, attacks, attacks. Like I've never seen a boring match with that guy. You know what I mean? And so then people want to see you more and more, you know. Um, But as far as I go... I think you have to own a gym, and gyms can be very lucrative. The town I'm in is only like I want to say like eighty thousand people. It's a small Texas town, right? And God willing, eventually one day, you know my my students could be you know pick up and teaches, and I have another gym in a bigger city where I think the demographic would be bigger. I could have more students, but uh, we charge like you know one thirty or so a month, and. um, You know, I have prior to the quarantine, I had like 60 students or so. So, you know, you do the math. It's like, you know, the the rent's only like a thousand bucks. It's a small town, you know, so you do the math. You make good money doing that. You know what I mean? And you teach and I'm doing what I love. You know what I mean? And so I do that. Um, hopefully god willing i can get more sponsors and stuff as far as my i just hit a 5000 i'm about to hit 5100 followers Ooh, and I'm, nice. I'm yeah so i'm posting youtube videos i'm posting instagram videos i'm posting you know if you see my instagram lately it's just been video 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 technique technique yeah yeah just technique because especially leg locks because guys You know, there's some solid shit, man. If you watch some of my other videos, the top ones, there's some solid shit I do every single day in there that is really good basics, and nobody wants to see that shit. So if you know, if you if you if you work out in a blue basement and you do stupid ass entries that'll never work, the guys get thousands of fucking views. So I just started doing leg log videos of, of techniques that I try to stay genuine with them, where it's like they're really high percentage they really do work they really you really can't hit these techniques you know what i mean they're not just me doing a fireman's carry into a 411 you know what i mean that's never yeah, going to
2: happen i think Lachlan giles said the same thing too about making videos cuz he has a really popular youtube as well for techniques oh yeah yeah that was that was what he was saying he's like i can put like a a bolo knife defense and it'll you know blow up but i'll put like a how to legitimately get out of a really tight side control of somebody who weighs 60 more pounds than you and nobody cares no nobody cares it's crazy man and and the thing is there's a culture of leg locking pages which
1: i love and support and i'm i appreciate you know footlock fire leg lock library footlock flyer shared me the other day when they share me a lot but they shared me the other day and said are you following jordan holly i got like 40 followers you know what i mean so like you know that i appreciate them and it's a bigger outlet for that you know so if you do leg locks and you know leg locks and you tap people with leg locks you can get quite a bigger audience by doing that but back to that back to the point i'm trying to get you know as many revenue streams outlets as i can as far as like building my brand you know try to get my subscribers up on youtube and try to get the thousands so that i can start getting monetized there too you know because you got to learn to market yourself you know i think i think basically so basically the gym though the gym funds
0: everything i do pretty much and uh, do you prefer to diversify like is it fun for you to be able to pursue all these different kinds of things or do you think it's just a smart um decision business-wise i think it's smart
1: business-wise honestly if i could i would just train i would mm-hmm. just train myself i would just be in this spartan lifestyle where i'm just like training and i'm focused on my, my jiu-jitsu and everything like that i do think and i have seen the benefits of teaching if you can teach and i think the difference between a brown and a black belt is the black belt can teach I think that a, a key tenet of being a black belt is that you need to be able to pass on the knowledge to the next generation and you need to be able to teach. Because, man, I started teaching when I was a blue belt because the town we were in, just we had, we, there was nobody else. You know, the guy that he left me, he left, and, and it's a hinky story, but um, the dude was not paying me, and the gym was making money and I was teaching all the classes anyway. So I took over as like a, as a blue, as like a fresh purple is when I took over like fully, but I was already teaching the majority of the classes. And, um, I saw at a very early stage in my jitsu how, um, beneficial teaching could be you know what i mean because like you have to explain the technique and you have to explain it to someone that that doesn't really get it and everybody has their own problems like everybody you know maybe this guy's basing wrong maybe the uke isn't basing right you know what i mean like you have to explain and figure out why you do what you do instead of just being like i do it this way because it works you know what i mean like i think it's fun to do that too Uh, but it does get exhausting. Once I teach Monday through Thursdays, usually and after Thursday, I'm like, bro, open mat, dude, let's do this. You know what I mean? Or like, let's just do positionals. You know what I mean? And so that's another reason why it really wore on me teaching 45 minutes, an hour every night. You know what I mean? And then my 30 minutes at lunch, it was like, man, what am I going to teach? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And um, so I think that if you can teach for sure, teach. And I think that's a part of being really good for yourself. But yeah, if I could choose to, man, I would just, I would just compete, you know what I mean, and I would just like train myself, you know.
0: Yeah, it's just interesting because the whatever way you go about um, supporting yourself financially, um, it it gives you different, you know, benefits and also different drawbacks, right? Because we all have like the same amount of time. And, yeah, yeah, and there's um, it was even interesting because when we we're talking to Phil Schwartz, like he spends a lot of time hosting events and stuff, and like the minute that you add hosting events you know, into your, what, how you spend your time, you gotta remove something. And Thank like, you. you know, I've struggled with that a lot. Cause like, if you want to be competitive, like you, you mentioned it earlier, you, you know, the other guy is probably training when you're teaching, right?
1: Yeah. It, 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 you only have, the, like you say, you only got the same 24 hours. You know what I mean? And there's obviously a certain level. Like if I, let's, let's just extrapolate this out. If I fucking worked out 18 hours a day, I'm going to, let's not, there's going to be a certain point of diminishing returns where it's going to kill my body and I'm not going to be able to continue like that, you know? And I think that you need to read and not just jujitsu, you know what I mean? I think you need to feed yourself spiritually, you know, mentally, you know, you need to be eating right. You need to be getting the proper amount of rest. You know what I mean? You need to have the right supplements. Uh, you need to be doing all those things to kind of balance yourself out. And that's kind of a, uh, it's an experimental thing with yourself. You know, you need to find that out on your own and, and, and where, you know, how much sleep do you need? You know what I mean? How much can you run off of, you know, uh, what do you need to eat? You know what I mean? Where, you know, stuff like that too. Um, but yeah, when you start hosting things and doing stuff like that, I think that, I think I probably would have more students if I was more into the business, you know what I mean? If I was more into marketing, if I printed out flyers and went to all the schools and threw out flyers, I think I probably would have more students, you know what I mean? And so uh, there's an opportunity cost there too, that I'm, that I'm giving up. You know, I know that there's other guys that I know around Texas, even you know, other places in the world, obviously that have more students that do more marketing that do, you know, that they, um, I'll give you a good example my, uh, my supplement sponsor here in town, that complete 360, great dudes. And he's talked to me, he's a super good business guy. He started like two or three companies. And he's always talking to me about Jordan. You need to, you need to have deals for every holiday. You need to have this and post this. And like every day he's like putting sales out for supplements and shit. And I get that. And he makes way more money than I do. You know what I mean? But for me, it's not about money, you know? And that's the thing. Like I don't, uh, as long as I have enough to live and eat and my wife's happy and everything's good. She's a nurse, you know, it, as long as we're happy and every, you know, I'm not, about amassing a giant amount of wealth you know what i mean and so um i think maybe maybe my priorities will change as i get like older older but um for now i just want to be the best and so um i think that you know you got to decide on what your goals are and if you the thing is competing and shit and like really aspiring to compete at a high level is not for everybody you know I I get guys all the time that are telling me like, Oh man, I'm going to be a champion coach this and that, you know? And then when the air times, times to run the air bike after we roll for an hour and a half and it's time to push yourself, they don't want to be a champion you know when it's
0: time you know i think that's like well it's interesting because it it gets to that that thing to where it's like you know what does jordan want or like what does alfie want because like you talked about it kind of being a balance between like you know sleep supplements and eating and, and training and it's not you know just like just training in jujitsu, and like I think you could even kind of like zoom out even farther, and like jujitsu's an aim, and through that aim, I think you learn like you know um, whatever that aim may be, right? As long as it's constructed and focused, um, you learn your whole like everything about life you know and who you are and like your preferences because you go into jiu-jitsu and you're like do i like teaching is teaching or competing more important than me and you're like oh i'm i'm you know i put people before me or i like to put you know myself first in that in that sense and like you you learn so much about yourself and the cool thing about that is is there seems to be like all of these little uh roles that you could fulfill that will meet your needs wherever they are, you know, whether that's like competing, teaching, um, uh, being a referee or hosting events, you know. And yeah, there's so yeah. much freedom in jujitsu that a lot of people seem to do to diversify in a lot of it. Right. They don't necessarily do everything, but like a little bit of teaching and a little bit of, you know, competing. Yeah, I think there's a, a place
1: for
2: a lot of different people and a lot of different interests
1: and in whatever fits them. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, I wonder if it helps or it probably does help being in a gym surrounded by 80% of your students also want to be competitors, you know, so you get to set that example for them and, and know that you're setting that example for them and then have them dr- pulling you along as well. When maybe even, even if he's lower level or, you know, just competing on the regional circuit, you know, maybe he's pulling you along on a day you really don't want to train, which is, and, uh, cause I know personally, sometimes that can be tough when you don't want to, and you know, that there's nobody else pulling you to. Yeah. So that's a perfect example, man.
1: Two days ago, uh, this quarantine has been gay, man. And we've had to train with less than 10 guys every day. And I haven't missed a day. We maybe missed, I think we maybe not trained one day, this whole thing. And, uh, I tape my windows up, um, lock the doors. You got to knock if you want to, you know what I mean? We come in, Hey, we're doing jumping jacks. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and two, I think it was two or three days ago. Uh, we were, I was sitting here and my wife just made muffins and I just wanted to sit here and eat muffins and play call of duty, man. I didn't want to do shit. I didn't want to get up and train, you know? And my guys, my guys were kind of bsing me and they're like, Oh, you know, it's that, right. And then all of a sudden Patrick and baby gorilla were like, hey, well, we're going to be there at seven coach. If you want to train or if you want to fall behind. And I'm like, Ooh, I'm like, all right, dude, I'll be there at seven. And so we went and I had a great session. It was me, sabby, uh, Patrick and baby gorilla, Josh. And, um, and we banged it out, man. We rolled for about an hour. I think I showed up some body lock passing and it was, you never, ever, I, I tell you, you never regret showing up to a workout or a jujitsu sesh. None that you'll never regret it after it's over. In the beginning, you're going to be like, man, I hate this shit. You know what I mean? But after it's over, you're all, I've never, unless I did some stupid shit, like didn't tap to a leg lock or something and I cracked my foot then I'm like, shit, why'd I do that shit? You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm "I'm retarded. You know what I mean? But like, unless you do something stupid like that, like you'll never regret putting in work, you know what I mean? And so, uh, and that's the thing about jujitsu, man. When when you make jujitsu your life or if you're blessed enough to be able to do that, like I, one thing I love about jujitsu is how much time it affords me. You know what I mean? Like I, there's so many of my guys, like all my guys, really none of them do it you know, 100% professionally or whatever. And um, they all got jobs, you know what I mean? Jobs, some of them that love their jobs, you know what I mean? I'm not knocking on you know me, I mean, it's like that. But I got free time out the ass, dude. This quarantine thing is like, it's basically my life anyway. Like, I'm just <laughs> like, you know, like I, I come, I, I, me and my wife get up in the morning, we lift, uh, we eat breakfast. And then I'll usually like study church history or I'll do theology. Like, that's the only thing I do more than jujitsu is theology. I study that and I, I think I might go to seminary just not to be a pastor or anything, just to learn. And um, that's probably the only thing I do more than jujitsu. And so I'll spend some time doing that and play some Call of Duty. And then noon comes and then we do training at noon. And then I have, uh, you know, like four, five, six hours, depending on if it's my day to teach kids. And, um, and, you know, I'll probably read or something like that. Or I might watch some DVDs. I've learned most of my jujitsu off DVDs. So plug there. I mean, you can learn a lot off DVDs. And, uh, and then I'm back to training at night, you know? And so it, it gets kind of boring and mundane, you know what I mean? But also like, I love it, dude. I love it because, you know, I don't, I don't have to get up. I remember when I used to work at the plant and when I used to work as an electrician's apprentice and I appreciate those opportunities, but I I hated it. I hated it. And I got fired from almost every job for getting high because I didn't want to be there. You know what I mean? I just didn't give a shit. You know what I mean? I didn't really care. I didn't, I didn't want to be the best carpenter. I didn't want to be the best, you know, blackie of some dude you know what i mean and spend my whole life i remember a guy telling me one time you gotta love who you work with bro because you're gonna spend more time with the people you work with than you do with your family and i remember thinking like fuck this man this is not what i want to do dude you know what i mean like i don't want to do this shit but like at the time in the natural i couldn't see any other way to do anything you know and
2: uh yeah i'm just really grateful that i don't have to work at a job i hate you know what i mean yeah, Will has a good story about that with uh replacing windshields or whatever and just the same dudes talking about the same game that they watched last night every single day. Okay.
0: They're, they're like, "Hey, the new drill came out like it has the really long-lasting battery" and I'm just like, "Oh, no." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> see, like I see I always felt like, you know, I didn't feel really stimulated because I would watch, you know, something like on Red Bull, like more of an extreme sports thing, base jumping. And that seemed really thrilling and exciting. And then, um, but to To show up, like, you know, to when I was a chef or when I've worked in like the minting industry and the hospital industry um, and and all of that stuff, it's just, it was never really satisfying for me. And I felt like a loser by comparison to the people around me because they were like, yeah, it sucks, but I've been doing it for like 10, 15 years. And I'm like, I'm willing to go bankrupt. Like I don't like like this isn't. I this is maddening, and I don't know how you can stand that. And I felt like a loser because of that. But then, as I've you know, um, gotten introduced to different kinds of lifestyles and gotten into martial arts and running and rock climbing, I've met people who've had these variety of unconventional lifestyles. And you see, it's like you can get beyond like if that nine to five or uh, doesn't work for you. That's great because there's infinite options right like you don't have to constrain yourself to this it's even like school for example if if your parents didn't have to um if your parents didn't limit you on the way you go to school right like i'm not placing blame on them but if you just look at it and you don't really have to like go to public school for the six and a half hours you can go homeschooling Um, you could, there's online schooling to get your GED by the time that you're 16 and you can start college after that. Like there's a lot of options and I think, don't think we realize it, but looking at it now, I realize that there's a lot of options to make money. And if you're not satisfied by showing up to that, like there's something in life that will like make you put all that shit on the line, you know, whether it's like you're competing in jujitsu or you're painting or something. And to me, I don't really understand why. It's worth it if you don't have something like that. And like personally, I've struggled with that a lot.
1: Yeah, the um the church I go to, small church, and uh, every kid in that church is homeschooled. They don't. It's just like they, they they don't want the kids learning the secular the the you know their their kind of ideology and stuff like that. They're all homeschooled. It can be done. It can certainly be done. You know what I mean? Um, I think that it's more of, like a cultural thing to go to school every. You know, for X amount of years in public schools and the kids just the parents just want to get the kids out of here, you know what I mean? And uh, it's certainly the easy route and the accepted route. And I think, you know, our parents generation, uh, my parents generation, at least, were taught that you need a college degree, you need a college degree because you got to, you know, differentiate yourself from the crowd. But how different are you when everyone has a degree? how different are you you know what i mean and like so you get a lot of people that are graduating with degrees that are maybe non-essential or they're not you know super in demand and now they're like oh what do i do now i got all these loans and shit you know what i mean so if you weren't wise enough to pick the right kind of degree you know you may or may not you know like it you know and so um yeah i feel what you're saying though man you don't necessarily have to have a degree you could go to trade school you could be homeschooled you don't you don't need a piece of paper you know what i mean as long as you got here the thing as long as you got at least a GED or a high school diploma, you can get your foot in the door to make some money. And I think that I preach that to a lot of my guys that want, or well, one of my guys in particular that wants to be a jujitsu, like, you know, professional jujitsu grappler. You know what I mean? I'm like, you know, you, you need to have a job. You got, I don't care if you're flipping burgers, you got to have a job because you're not just going to walk into owning a gym. There's rent, you know what I mean? You, you how are you going to win an invitational? Who's going to, who's going to pay to fly you out? If you've never won an invitational to a tournament. And, and here's the thing, you're going to lose that tournament. And you're going to lose the next five invitationals you go to. So you need to have $5,000 to lose before you ever are good enough to win one. And then you're already, you're still in the hole. You know what I mean? But like, that's, that's just the way it is. You know what I mean? So like, for sure, you need a job to get to where you want to be. It's like a stepping stone, but you know, it's the, you don't need to, to be a master's or a bachelor's degree to get that job. You know, you just need to be, have, a little bit of brains and I'd be retarded and be able to, you know, do basic shit and you could get a job doing some shit and make some money and then start to fund your dreams and be smart about it. Don't blow it on booze and drugs the whole time, you know, buy some weed if you want to smoke, you know what I mean? But don't sit here and buy, you know, uh, you don't, don't try to be a seller and don't buy a bunch of dope. And you know what I mean? And you're going to be all right. If you're, if you're
0: wise, if you just use a little bit of prudence in what you do, you know what I mean? So, and that's that, you know, you find that in um, religion, uh, quite a bit, uh, in a variety of religions and even philosophy, which is like temperance, right? And and also um, not indulging in excessive pleasures. And even have that with like, you know, in the Book of Five Rings with Masashi, he says the same thing um, that whenever you find yourself overly indulging in pleasures, it's, it's a very dangerous thing. And once again, like, it's cool to, instead of saying someone, you're coming home and you have a bunch of family members and they're like, listen, we need to talk. Like that's a, that's a really fucked scenario. Right. But if you have jujitsu or if you have some aim where it's like, okay, I want to get better at jujitsu. You're like, I'm being overindulgent in these things. How do I improve on that? So I can improve on jujitsu like that, that um, relationship seems um, at least looking at yourself, right? Like uh, much more a positive and And for you, like it answers that question. Like, what does Jordan Holly want? Like, you know, you want to be uh, you want to have pleasurable experiences and pursue things that are meaningful to you. And I even look at that now with like teaching my I'm homeschooling my son because of the whole coronavirus thing. And a lot of that's like, okay, if we're having conflict when I'm trying to teach you like English or math, like what do you want to learn? Cause if I you were to sit there in in the house and I were to limit electronics, cause that's like an could can, can be an endless abyss of like immediate pleasure, right? Um, if I limit that, when when you're done with that, how do you how do you want to spend your time? I bet you want to challenge yourself, because even in the video game, like you get bored when you beat it, which by definition, you get bored when there's a lack of challenge. So like, what do you really want to learn? And you know, and I bet along the way, these things that are like core. Um, core curriculum are going to play into learning that, right? Like math and English. Like if you want to like know yeah. jujitsu, I mean, like you, it's so important to be able to learn English. And the crazy thing that I found was, is if you want to do any kind of exercise, it is a like a highly m- mental um, feat to be able to count and organize like, uh, like when you're striking, like to do a one, two, um, you know, a th- three, two. Right. Like to be able to organize all of that in your head while this like physical, physically intense experience is happening is super complicated. And it's like a high level of focus. And and so with that said, like I, I was mentioned before, before I broke up, um, that you see, I see a lot of people who are struggling pursuing these destructive behavior patterns. But I just wish that I can help them see the things that I'm experiencing, you know? Um, yeah, as, we- especially
1: man whenever you get rid of like something negative in your life there's always a gap man like if you get rid of like an ex-girlfriend or you get rid of doing dope there's a huge gap in your time and you got to fill that with something you know what i mean and it, that's why jiu is really is a positive thing and i'm not gonna say jiu saved my life jiu is this jiu is that jiu is the only way jiu is not the only way to do something you know what i mean like find something that's positive that but i'll give you an example in my life jujitsu you, you know, not only can you train, which is cool, but then you start thinking, oh man, what else can I do? to help my jujitsu everything else that can help your jujitsu is positive like you can eat better you could lift you could run you could you know what i mean get your sleep at night supplements you start thinking of those things now like your whole life became like a deal where you're trying to build up for one thing and while that one thing is like a niche thing it also changed like how you act how you interact you know what i mean and like made you more positive you're now you're more sociable because you got to Deal with somebody, you got to get this close to them and choke them and, and be friends and be friendly and not be an asshole because if you're an asshole, no one's going to want to hang, hang out with you and train with you. You know what I mean? And so you start to develop all these other skills. And so, yeah, man, like uh, find something positive. And if you can find out what you really like to do and what you're really passionate about, you'll feel way more fulfilled in life than if you're just like going through the motions or trying to catch a paycheck, you know? Because then you're going to go to the, you're going to be living that um Saturday, Sunday life, man, where you're just like, fuck, man, I can't wait till Friday
0: that shit scares me man (laughs) it's just the the worst
2: yeah and then you get to friday and then you realize that you're too tired from whatever you know job you did all week to do anything yeah then it's sunday and you hate sunday because you know monday's coming yeah dude i I found it that hard man Where like sunday my fiance would be like what's wrong and i'm like i'm just thinking about work tomorrow she's like so work is controlling six days of your week now i'm like crap i didn't think about that yeah, shit's trash. See, I remember as a teen worrying about that shit all the
1: time, you know? Friday would be the, tr- the truth, and then Saturday was like, hell yeah, you know? But it got to be like 2, 3 in the morning on Saturday, and you're like, or well, I guess it's Sunday morning, you know? And you're like, oh, man, shit, dude, I'm about to go to or
0: do whatever, school or work or whatever's coming next. Shit sucks, you know? and you know with that even that with that adversarial relationship with whatever you have to do like think of like how what percentage of your potential you're using you know look yeah man um so i got a question for you what is beautiful jujitsu to you so yeah like uh
1: I'll give a caveat before I start. So Jeff Glover's a badass, man. And, I, and I, I'm going to caveat. I'm going to take him out of all this because he's the exception that proves the rule to me, okay? Um, I think your jiu should be painful for your opponent every second of it, you know what I mean? I am not the guy that thinks that you should play donkey guard or roll around all flowy. I don't even know how to flow roll. I'm a black belt and I don't even know how to flow roll. I uh, It's either like I'm letting you in or I'm letting you into, into positions where I can work out of or, and because I'm tired, my arms are exhausted. I did a bunch of arm workouts that day or something. Or if I'm really rolling with you, I think that good jujitsu is like, like anticipating your opponent winning every exchange. If you're standing, you take them down, you pass their guard and then you don't go back from there. Like you don't get regressed into half guard. You know what I mean? Unless you're setting up a back step or something, you're going to heal. a like you know, or you're setting up a back take or you have a, a trap for them. You know what I mean? And, uh, I think that a lot of people, I've seen some people they they roll, man. And they're like, I think it's cool to like lay there and let them get to side control and then catch them there or whatever. And that works on guys that are not so good, you know, or hobbyists or whatever, because you're just way better than they are. But like good, it feels bad habits in my opinion. I think that the best jujitsu is like unforgiving. It like takes everything from your opponent. It takes everything they've got. And then like, if you're on bottom, you either sweep them or you sub them. You know what I mean? You take their back and then you just progress right up the ladder. And I think my best students, uh, the guys that are initially are the best are the ones that just understand jujitsu. And by that, I always mean like you understand that like, okay, you're in top, you need to pass the guard. And once you pass the half guard, now you're in side control. And now once you get a side control an upgrade on that is mount or back mount, depending on what you're good at, you know what I mean? It maybe even slightly in North South position. If you know how to North South choke, if you know how to set up Darces, you know, do things from that like that's a good upgrade as well you know what i mean but uh yeah taking everything away from your opponent man and just uh giving them nothing crushing them that's what i think that uh good
2: jiu-jitsu beautiful jiu-jitsu is that's one of my favorite lessons that i've learned in jiu-jitsu is that pain compliance is okay oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah man I, I learned that the hard way uh Daffron is the one who taught me that nice. but then you know it's uh we don't train at the same gym at the moment but I, I did something at my gym where like I was going for a rear naked choke and urban naked strangle and dude tucked his chin and I choked through the chin and oh yeah he got mad at me. He was like that's a neck crank. I was like, That's not a neck you're still choking I, I got took it really personal. I was like, That's yeah. still a choke. If I they still- don't <laughs> like, <laughs> if they don't like it, they can lift their chin. The thing
1: is at a very high level um Getting a clean renicket choke is so difficult. On a guy that's good, man, it's so hard. And I used to get into that idea. Like I bought the Donnaher DVD, the back one, and I got good at the arm trapping and stuff. And I thought, all right, that's how we gotta do it and stuff. Then I realized that guys know what's up, you know what I mean? Even guys that aren't like super high level black belts, they know what's up, and so they keep their hands in or they do a lot of ob or overtime rounds, and you cannot get their arm trapped with your leg. I don't care unless you're Gordon Ryan, you're just not gonna get it. And so Get that, and then, like, All right, I'm just gonna snake it here. I'm gonna do this, dude. That's not gonna happen either. So, you just gotta go across their face over and over. And if you lock it up over their face, that's good, as Blow long the as they're right, <laughs> yeah. Blow the nose, you're fine, dude. And so, like, Rosenthal, I finished him with that. Uh, who's Oh, that one dude I forget? Giafreal finished him with that. You know what I mean? Once I started stopped caring about getting under the chin and and started just choking the face man my percentages on the back went way up if they don't like it they'll lift their head and you can get under the chin you know what i mean yeah. but i think choking the face good good for you choke their face <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> and and plus with within jiu-jitsu that's just kind of the point right like you're only a limiting factor like the rule uh I, i'm Big against like the rule set. I have like one of my favorite grapplers. I guess I won't like name his name, but he'll do certain things where when you can't, when you can jump guard, right? And you can't get slammed, um, he'll hold for Kimura there. And like, and I get that, but like it's so hard for me. It's why I love like because. Like if that were a real scenario, like someone, they would just completely slam you. man. Oh, yeah, that, that would not work. And that's probably why I don't really like baseball or basketball or football or most other sports is <laughs> because <laughs> like and I love, you know, like rock climbing and running because it's it's you and the thing that you practice. And that's yeah. it. Like, it's not the rule set. It's like, what can you do with these techniques?
2: Yeah, that's or what I like. Do. What's up? Oh, all right. Sorry, I take it you're for the smother then oh yeah hundred percent i have a,
1: a yeah. couple pictures of me smothering people uh, i think it's really good move uh, if you can get the arm trapped but once again that's a, it's, a, it's a problem to get that arm trapped you know and so if, if the arm's trapped yeah if you watch a, i got a highlight on my one of my first videos i upload on youtube and at the end of it i smother a guy for the finals of jacksonville and i smother it, and he's like <gasps> and i go in there and i get You know what i mean so yeah. it, it works good uh but that, going back to what you said i think that uh I think that's why I like Nogi a lot because I think that if you're going to do it, like, may, I want you to open up all submissions. If you can put your elbow in my face and tap me, great, do it. You know, open up all submissions and let's just make it as open and dangerous as possible and within reason. You know what I mean? We're not throwing strikes. But if you want to do combat, throw strikes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, um, you know, so do that. And, you um, that's why i like that more than gi. G.I. i feel like G.I. people like will hold on too long and like you get guys that are like way lower level than you and they're just like i'm gonna not ever let go i'm just gonna hold right here and never let go or a guy that's really good and he wraps your gi around your leg and you're like this is fucking dumb just whatever sweet me dude whatever this is dumb I'm sick of this you know what i mean but i don't like how it slows it down too much man i like the athleticism and stuff of, of nogi but yeah i like it i like the fact that you can just do everything so that's why i like nogi a whole lot you know
0: and um how is uh what does religion mean to you and, and how has it helped you uh with your lifestyle?
1: Yeah, so everything, man. Like there's there's a, uh, you know, not only finding a religion that's not uh that's true, that's not like uh not all are created equal, you know, if there's truth then there's got to be error. Everything that's not true is, is an error. You know, it can't be, you know, two plus two equals four. It can't equal, you know, six and eight and seven and 12 at the same time. You know what I mean? So finding something that it stands up to intellectual scrutiny as well as, as being true is great in finding someone that's alive in Christ that guides me and, 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 it's everything, man. I think that that's the legacy I'd like to leave behind because I'm not going to be able to, you know, whatever I accomplish, you know, God willing, i win ADCC. It's not going to really matter in the grand scheme of things. Uh, We're only, our lives are but a vapor. We're here for a little while and then we're gone, you know? And um, the only thing that's going to last is Christ. And I think that, you know, the gospel, you know what I mean? Realizing the, the total depravity of man, realizing that like we're dead in our sins and trespasses like we've all sinned against an infinitely holy God. And that, uh, and that the only way to make propitiation for that is, um, is through someone that kept the law that did, they kept all the righteous requirements and they died on our behalf. His imputed righteousness. Um, it changed my life, man. It gave me a new heart and it, and I do things now, the good things I do are not because I'm trying to earn my way into salvation. That's the difference between Christianity and every other religion is it's, a uh, they're meritorious and that their works based faith systems like Muslims, they, they, they got to do X amount of works. And if you have this amount of works and your good deeds outweigh your bad, then you get to heaven. But in Christianity, it's by grace alone is by faith alone, by grace alone, uh, through Christ alone, uh, for the glory of God alone, according to scripture alone. And so um, you have a, a deal where you're, you're justified freely. But if you have no fruit, then you have no root so if you say you're a christian but you don't produce good works and there's no fruit produced out of that then um then you're not truly saved and that once you are saved um you cannot be lost because god's sovereign over all things. And, and he controls everything His providence. He controls, you know, everything I do, my choices, um, my sin and and all, and all that, all that happens in the world. So I think that being assured and secure to that, you can go out and just preach the gospel, preach the truth. And you don't have to worry about trying to trick people into making a decision for Christ. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, say this prayer. You know what I mean? And it sounds really good. And I don't have to water down the gospel because I know that the people that, that God is going to call will come because he's sovereign and, uh, the people that don't, they just, they, they, weren't called, you know what I mean? And man, theology gets in, uh, I'll be, I'll be here all day with y'all talking <laughs> about theology. Oh, you're
0: good. What does it, what does it mean it, for you, uh, to bear fruit? Is it like for you to spend your time doing jujitsu and being able to share that with other people? No, no, no. Yeah. Bearing fruit
1: is going to be something like patience, perseverance. It's good works doing for others, being selfless, um, loving things like that things that are in line with scripture so yeah jujitsu could be me bearing good fruit right it could be um it's not it's not prosperity it's not me you know god had a great plan for the apostle paul it was to be beheaded it was to you know what i mean he had a great plan for the apostle peter to be crucified upside down your life doesn't mean that you're going to be prosperous that you're going to win money and that you're going to be monetarily you know compensated here in this life but life in the life to come you know what i mean and so but what you'll see in yourself here is a change of yourself uh, the scripture says you change from a, a heart of stone to a heart of flesh and so uh real quickly total depravity you're um the original man adam fell into sin and because of that all of our all of our na- nature our inclinations uh our free will is enslaved to sin and we want, we don't want, it's like uh, if you put a vulture in a room and you put a rabbit in a room, uh, the rabbit would want the carrots and the vulture would want the dead meat. It's in its nature to pick that. Does it have a choice to pick the other? Yes. But would it ever pick it? No, it picks according to its nature. So when Christ gives you a new birth, a new heart, you pick according to your nature. And now you can do that. What's pleasing to God. You can, um, want for those good things and those good things to be lined out in scripture. Um, Things that are in the w- accordance in the will of God, which you would know if you, if you read enough scripture, you'll you'll find it in there because scriptures per uh, what's the word perspicuous? I forget what the word is, but it's clear. It's sufficiently clear to know what is the will of God.
0: So. And um, do you do you do like is there daily or weekly things that you do to to practice it? Um, like what is uh, your practice look like? Uh you just try to get into deeper like definitely daily
1: reading scripture. Um me and my wife talk about it a lot. Uh, I, w- I watch church history on Ligonier. Um, I have a few books that I've been reading on church history and stuff because it's important when you're evangelizing the Roman Catholics. They'll want to claim all of church history for themselves. When in all reality, there wasn't a pope in Rome until Gregory the First, I believe, in 500 AD. So you can't claim Augustine and you can't claim Origin. Whenever there was a plurality of elders in Rome, and the very term Roman Catholic is a contradiction of terms because Catholic means universal, which the church has always claimed the invisible church throughout all the ages. But Roman is Rome is a place. So how can you be the universal church if you're located in a location? You know what I mean? So you got to know these things to talk to them. You got to get to know muzzle theology. You got to know all these theologies to talk to them and evangelize for them. Um, so that you can give a hope for what's in you. Um, besides that, we're commanded in scripture to be a part of a local church body. So uh, a solid biblical church that teaches you that practices church discipline. Like if you fall into sin with adultery or, or whatever it may be, theft or whatever, they discipline you. They put you outside of the congregation and you can't uh, partake at the Lord's table or, or have communion. You know what I mean? And uh, they teach us scriptures. Um, they do the sacraments, the, the, the ordinary means of grace, the Lord's supper, the baptism, stuff like that. And, uh, so that's really important. And I think being a part of a local church, um, daily seeking to get in the word and the scriptures, because if you really love God, then you're going to want to spend time with him. And the only place he's revealed himself is in the word. You don't look for voices in your head or some shit. That's just, if you start looking for God within yourself, you're going to end up confusing yourself with God and you are going to become your own God. And then whatever you think or whatever you want, he's always going to approve of what you want because you are your own God. So, um, so I think testing all things by scripture and just trying to strive to be, you know, uh, to learn more and more as you grow. That's the process of sanctification to where, uh, which will would ever be finished until you're dead. You know what I mean? But, um, but it's something that you work towards just like jujitsu, how you work toward being good at jujitsu or good at weightlifting or being super jacked and juicy. You know what I mean? Any of those things you want to do, it's a, it's a, it's a thing that you just, keep working at you know what I mean this is something that'll last you for eternity though and not something that passes away so I think you always got to put yourself in an eternal perspective and not just worry about the hill right here and now because I mean for all of us you know we're going to be 50 one day and you can do IBJJF master's divisions but you're not going to win ABCC at 55 years old you know what I mean yeah. so you're going to you're gonna have to find something that outlasts you you know what I mean and, uh, and if, if you're going to find something that outlasts you make sure it's something that's true you know what I mean? And don't, and don't just follow, you know, fairy tale. you know?
0: Sure. Hey, uh, where can people find out more about you, Jordan?
1: Um, so you can find me on at, it was at, at little squiggly sign, J Holly 90 and it's spelled like the Bible. Holy, which is really my last name and, um, YouTube, uh, Holy Grail BJJ and then on Facebook, just my name. And, um, if y'all dm me with any questions um related to jujitsu theology anything i'm always available um any techniques you want to see uh i'm more than welcome for that because i run out of ideas all the time and we record techniques every day and um if anybody wants to do matches i'll fight anybody for money and um man that's pretty much it dude i really appreciate y'all having me on and stuff. let me talk and uh just hang out with y'all, man. That was cool. It's a cool podcast. I'll be back anytime, man.
0: Yeah, absolutely, man. I yeah, love it was great getting
2: to know you, man. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Sure. Thanks so much, Jordan. Awesome, man. I appreciate you guys. Y'all be absolutely, safe. Absolutely, man. You as well. Awesome. Man. All right. Later. Later. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, you can find Alfie on Instagram at poo.jitsu, and you can find Jordan Hawley on Instagram at Holly with one l nine and also check him out at holygrailjujitsu.com and be sure to check out shugyo on youtube you can find all those links in the show notes on becominghumanpodcast.com or your favorite podcast app be sure to rate review the podcast share it with a friend And I hope you guys are... If it's still... If the coronavirus is still going on, I hope you guys are handling it well and that everyone's safe and sound. And if you're not, I feel for you. Life is unforgiving. But... At once, it's very beautiful. And I wish... And safety and health for all. Of you. Thank you guys for listening to the podcast. Bye.